Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode 499 of Film Bastards. My name's Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by... Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and my dog. <laughs> I love the fact that your dog howled at that moment. <laughs> For, for listening pleasures there, audience. Whenever like, I have to announce myself, I'm, I'm like motion to Becky, I'm quite animated with my hands. And so I literally put my arms up in the air as I say my own name, as just glorifying myself at the same time as Kiki started howling. Just saying. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Alright, Kiki, alright. How dare, how dare the Amazon guy deliver something? How dare he? <laughs> okay, no, we'll leave that in because I know you were talking. I could, hear, I could hear you. I didn't really know what you were talking about, but we'll leave that in. <laughs> right, fuck's sake. So, uh, right. Uh, yeah, sorry. As always, I'm joined by... Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, one and all. So, uh, Bex, we don't think he's going to be with us today, unfortunately. Um some like there's been some nasty road traffic accident shit not involving Becky, nope. um, so uh, yeah she might not be around. Um, what have we got coming up this week? So we uh, quite a quite a mix actually. So um, lead review is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, we're also going to be uh, talking about Asteroid City, uh, which Mark uh, managed to get to see today in a double bill with Indy, and uh, we're also going to be talking about the Netflix animated film Nimona. Um, which uh, was with Blue Sky, then Disney bought Fox, Fox had their deal with Blue Sky, and then Disney shit-canned it. And uh, now it's a Netflix film, so uh, we'll talk about that later as well. Um, also, actually, uh, we've both seen the first episode of Marvel's Secret Invasion, so we'll probably segue to what we've been watching. Sorry? Have you done both on those? Both I've got like I've literally got like five minutes left of the second one. Yeah, I've, I've done the second one as well. Okay, all right. Well, I, I can talk about most of the second one with you. So you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So uh, a bit of TV talk for the first time since I think Ted Lasso finished actually. Yeah. Well, actually, no. I talk. I bang on about Drive to Survive every now and then, which is fucking brilliant. And I'm at the last episode of season three, and it's great. In the last one, a driver burst into a, like his car burst into a ball of flames. He jumped out of the fire the episode title was called man on fire and i just think that's brilliant but at the end of it it's him being in sorry tangent it's him being interviewed with his wife and he's just like you know i'm leaving formula one you know like because the thing is right so he'd just been let go by his team right really late in the season and so he was having difficulty getting another drive he then gets in this massive accident and he's just like that, well, that's it then. It's it just like the t- the fates are basically saying, I need to pack it in. Um, and, and he's being interviewed with his wife. And he's just like, you know, but I made F1 history. I'll, I'll always be known as the driver who walks out of fire. And it is the work on his wife's face is just like, you're a fucking dickhead. And it's great. But he's he's right as well, and the thing is, the 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 driver Roman Grosjean now does like a rate other racing. I think he does IndyCar, and apparently he's really good, and he's just really happy. So you know, gets dropped from his team, get like basically should have been killed, 
leaves F1, is now happy. It's nice. It's nice. Um, anyway, that's that's all I'll talk about Drive to Survive this week. I promise. I might talk about the Austrian Grand Prix later on, but that's different. It's different, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. You hear that? Yeah. Um, anyway, we are a um, uh, pod syndicate podcast, aren't we? I think we are, yeah. We are? Yeah, sorry. In my brain, I was like, that's called something different. Um, so please listen to other like-minded shows such as The Rewatch Project, Shrin Stroker vs. Punter, um, uh, The Good, The Bad and The Odd, I don't think I ever say, actually. Um, Gaming Landfill, uh, lots of other podcasts, uh, hours and hours and hours of content. A uh, little bit rambly, this. Apologies. Um, it's still more coherent than my intros. <laughs> ah, barely. That's nice of you to say, I'm not too sure. Right, so, movie news. I want to pick up on something that I put in the boy chat earlier today. Yep. A couple of hours back, right? Disney Plus had a Disney Plus original movie called Crater that came out the first week of May. Yep. They have already pulled that film. Gone. Yep. And it's part of this trend of films being released for streaming and then being deleted. Like that Joey King one, The Princess. I got 25 minutes into it. It's gone. Um, I was quite enjoying it as well. Um, I think the... I want to say the Caitlin Diva one where she plays Romeo's ex-girlfriend. I think it was called Rosalind. Oh, yeah. Gone. Done. You know, um, that first season of Willow, gone. Mm -hmm. Um, There was another show that Disney Plus had like earlier this year that's disappeared as well. Um, I think Kristen Schaal tweeted about it. Like, does anyone know how I can actually get a physical copy of this show? I can show my daughter when she's old enough, which is fucking heartbreaking. And, you know, this coupled with the ongoing writer's strike, which just, that fucker seems like a war of attrition. Yeah. Um, and even though apparently, like, um, the, sc- the scuttlebutt is that the writers are going to have to give in at some point. One of the things they're probably not going to get is a minimum amount of writers allowed in a writer's room. Which seems a bit... It's probably a fair point if the studio's like, we only need six writers in the writer's room to make a show. Fair enough. Yeah. I feel like that's not the hill on which you should die. Um... It, I, I don't know. It just It's just all a bit of a cloud uh, uh, upon all of this at the moment. You know, indie opened to fuck all, d- 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 compar- relatively speaking. Well, the you thing know, is, and, can, yeah. the thing with that, and I'll go on to it, because I, I, like I was saying, I've, I watched both of um, I watched Indiana Jones uh, and Our Destiny, um back-to-back with Asteroid City. So I literally, I, I left one and went straight into the other one. Um, more details on that later on. Um, what I will say there is, there were, it's, I was in the hall at Cineworld, you know, middle of the day, Wednesday showing. So it's not exactly fucking peak time. Um, mm. There was maybe 20, 25 people um, in the screening for Indiana Jones, which I thought at the time I was like, Do you know what? That that's not bad. I've been to see films that have done very well at this time of day um, at the cinema, and they're not been this many people. So I was thinking, all right, this is all right. Asteroid City, there was more. <laughs> there was like yeah. thirty people in there. Um, 
And this is a film that Cineworld have deemed, um, you know, to just... We don't need to show it in every cinema. We'll show it in like one in every 15. It's, yeah... I, I, it's it's interesting with indie. Like I went to see it ten thirty on Saturday morning, and there was maybe a dozen of us in there. And you know, there's there's more showings of Dial of Destiny than Asteroid City. You know, so but I'm just I'm really surprised that like Transformers: Rise of the Beasts has done quite like pretty well globally. Trans and that was a film that a lot of people were writing off. Mm. You know, like Transformers, that's that franchise is done. You know, like no nobody cares anymore. And I'm I'm, just, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here. Um, it's done three hundred and eighty-one million worldwide. Yeah, off a budget of what somewhere between one eighty and two hundred million, which is too much money to spend on a a movie and b a what seventh Transformers movie. It's too much. In, in the same way as. We'll get in the, into the film later on, um, but the the fact that they spent somewhere in the region of around three hundred million or touching three hundred million on Indy Five, it meant that it 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 had to it had no wiggle room. It had to be a smashing success, and it's just. You need to have for something to be a smashing success, for something to touch the the billion mark, um, it it needs to appeal to basically every quadrant. That that is how that is how uh, they get it. I just I don't see how Indiana Jones appeals to every quadrant. It just doesn't. It, there's no. I just. I don't think. I think that the only way they're getting this is they're getting people like a little bit older than us taking their grandkids to see it. Yeah, this and and they are I going think, to the No, quite. It, this is not an original four. I've seen it bandied about elsewhere, but I agree with it. Between this and the Flash, with the you know eighties, well late eighties, early nineties Batman. What I think this is showing is that nostalgia for a certain period of time is maybe done in the in in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, I think TMNT Mutant Mayhem is going to be big. Yeah. Um, because now you know we're 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 coming towards nineties nostalgia. I mean, but it's like you look at Elemental, that film is um in it, it hasn't released too much worldwide yet but you know to be fair it's done all right it's done 89 million in the US off of an opening of 29 million so it's already at a three times multiple off of what was a soft start mm. 98 million worldwide and it hasn't opened i mean it opens here this weekend i think it's going to be quite big 187 million that's not so that's not too bad. And when you paint that against Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny at 130 million so far, okay, you know, okay, it's had a couple of weeks less, but that thing's going to slow. That it's going to slow down fast. Is indie? Mm. There's it. The thinking is it might drop about 60, 70 percent. Might get beaten by the new Insidious in the US in the US this weekend. Like the Flash 
is at 246 million worldwide. And that, that I mean, like, that's going to be dropping like a stone, like, basically now. You know, it, it just, it, there, there is some lessons to be learned here. You know, but no hard feelings in the US. It's done over 30. That ain't bad. I think it cost about 35 before print and advertising. So that thing's going to that thing's going to wash its face. Oh yeah. You know, As- Asteroid City is at about 20 million in the US. Yeah, I think it's budget like 25 30 million and it's done over 30 million. Uh, yeah, I mean like that easily in the black and it's probably going to have a solid little Oscar campaign bubble in a way. You know, like that. If it that feels like a kind of an old school release, um, even though I will, I'm going to talk about it later on. But Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, like also absolutely shit the bed in the US, open to five and a half million dollars. It's a DreamWorks animated film opening to five and a half million dollars. I've got a theory about that that we'll talk about later on. Um, a really depressing theory, but a theory nonetheless. Um, it just. It, it is a little bit feast or famine out there at the moment. You know, Spy, Spider-Verse coming up on $350 million um, worldwide. Th- uh, in the US, sorry. In the US. Um, that, actually, hang on. Am I, yeah, $611 million worldwide. Spider-Verse is probably going to be in the top five US and international at the end of the year. Mm. Wild. I, I, I think that's wild. Yes, it's a comic book movie, but... It's also like a really interesting. I mean, say I, you know, I didn't like it as much as Into the Spider Verse, but that thing is taking some creative r- risks, and it's visually arresting, and it's working, and I, I think that's great. So, like I say, feast or famine. For every creator getting knocked off of a streaming service after two months, you've got Spider-Man doing that. You've got Asteroid City going solidly. I mean, even though you might not agree with that, we'll see what you think of it. It's an odd time, dude. It's an odd time. It is. And the thing is, it, it, it you had a lot of... You had a lot of people sort of decrying um, not too long ago. And I'll come to the creator thing, because I, mean, I have a, not even a theory about it, but I just have a, um, a musing on it. Um, mm. is you had a lot of people like maybe within the past few years saying you know that the the, the mid budget movie was gone was dead. You were either straight to streaming or you were a big you know blockbuster to uh, basically taken over the cinema and there was no cinema slots left for um, mid tier movies and all this stuff. And it, it it was it was it was bollocks. But it it was it had become part of a narrative that 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 came out there. Um, and I, I always thought a little bit it was it was film fans making excuses for why they didn't go to see uh, mid-tier movies, um, but it, it was kind of bollocks. And it kind of seems like the studios now look will start looking at it and going, "Do you know what? There is there's too much risk in a two hundred and fifty million dollar movie." Now they don't. They're not going to stop making the two hundred and fifty million dollar movies, but they might not make two or three a year. What they might look at is going. We need one. We want one blockbuster, one big movie that is two hundred and fifty million dollars. But the 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 other one, the other one we were going to do, we might break up into like two. $150 million movies or $200 million movies. And the other one we were going to do, well, 
let's break it up into five $30 million movies, but try and be a little bit fucking cleverer with it and spread it out a little bit, which kind of just seems like this happens every so often. We get these these peaks and these troughs uh, that seem to happen. And because if you do five at $30 million and three of them go ballistic you've made back your money in that the weird thing about like the whole creator thing there is is it's essentially like the streaming's version of well that movie kind of is now just out of print and apparently there are some you know it was a little bit of a tax write-off with it is apparently one of the things there that that movie will slowly creep back three years time that movie will just fucking appear on Disney Plus, and it'll be there, and everybody, you know, a, a load, a big, like, tranche of people will go and watch it, because, you know, it was this maligned movie that was, you know, that essentially was ditched by capitalism. All the people that made that movie, and it is sad that that movie, that, that those people who made that movie, you know, two months later, it's gone, but they've been paid. They weren't on a, you know, they, they, it's happened. They they had the job. They've been paid. It's streaming's version of out of print, which we didn't think, which we didn't think would happen. And none of us can kind of work out why that's happening because you know you've got the problem is there is this amazing this amazing kind of like new development in in cinema in the same way as video was in the. Uh, in the 80s and then video was in the 90s to buy because people often don't make that connective tissue is people weren't buying movies in the 80s they were going to see them or they were renting them owning a movie became a thing in the 90s it's it's relatively new uh, in terms of like the history of cinema and then now we have this, this streaming thing. So you don't ever own a fucking movie anymore. People don't, you know, there is a select group of people that will buy a movie. Um, and the thing that you've got there is they, they, they've kind of fucked it a little bit by all of these different studios and these different groups going, well, no, we want our piece of that fucking pie. And the problem is, we were promised that there would be more pies, and it isn't. It seems we've just got the same pie, it's just we have to pay for it per slice, rather than just buying the fucking one pie. Uh, and that is where maybe there's going to have to be a little bit of a shift into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I don't know. It The, the sands are shifting... It just what way they shift is a bit of a yeah. Um, and apologies, I've just been slightly put off. Um, Taylor Swift's announced her support act for a tour next year. Who? Paramore. Par- well, Paramore supported them recently, didn't they? Yeah. That's gonna be fuck, man. If I get if we get tickets for the Cardiff one, that is gonna be a hell of a night. I'm gonna have to book off the next morning, <laughs> the, the next day. God damn. Anyway, sorry. Fuck. That's gonna be great. Um, even though my manager told me <laughs> we've got a new building opening in um, the centre of Cardiff, um, uh, I'm actually doing some testing in there next week. And there's a rooftop terrace that you can book out 
And my manager was just like, you know, if you ever want to go to a gig and you can't go to the, the gig there, just book the rooftop terrace for that evening and you'll just hear it all anyway. <laughs> Which is a good point because it's like ne- basically nakes to the principality. But um, any- anyway, um, so let's um, let's talk trailers. I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> right. What is your one? New trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, uh, I, I've got. So wait a minute, I have two. What's your other one? Dune Part Two. Mm. Sorry, I forgot about that. So it looks way more action. It looks massive, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Just, it just. I'm watching it going. Right. I know in the back of my brain this movie is going to be two hours 45 minutes long for June part two. <laughs> but I turned around when me and Becky were watching it and Becky was like amazed because she loved the first and she was going, that looks fucking brilliant. And I turned around and went, man, I hope it's 92 minutes long. <laughs> that would be not, funny. Not, not because I don't want to watch two hours 45 minutes of it. Just because it'd be, like you said there, it'd be funny. If it was just this fucking all action, just fucking like Clark Griswold going down a fucking, <laughs> going down on a shoot thing of just mania for like 92 minutes. But it's not going to be, it's going to be two hours, 45 minutes and it's probably going to be fucking great. But it just looks like there's yeah. an awful lot going on. <laughs> yeah. I, I fully, fully trust via nerve though like and it it feels like the first one was a lot of place setting and yeah you know, let's set up the like the kind of like the rebellion and whatnot and now shit's gonna pop off but then you've got christopher walken and austin butler like and fair fucking play to austin butler i think i might have said this when the first trailer came out but fair fucking play to austin butler for going yeah, I will absolutely trust you, Denis. Make me an albino. Yeah, it is. It is very much fair play to, to to Austin Butler. It, I think, it very much speaks to where Austin Butler wants to be as an actor. Mm. The fact that oh, cool. his first big role that he's doing after essentially being fucking Elvis and everybody finding out who he is is a role where even I had to turn out a Becky and go. Fair play, Austin Butler. That I, I will watch a film with Austin Butler as an albino fucking chasing down Timothy Shalls. And she went, what the fuck? That was Austin Butler. Oh, and wow. made us watch it again. Yeah. And it was like... and it, I, The thing is, I watched it and thought, well, I only I only noticed that because I knew who it was. Like, I knew he was that character beforehand. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's... It just... I am very much like, yep, yeah, I am... I am... Just let it fucking wash over me. Let's go. This big massive reach for the sky sci-fi epic let's go yeah to your right to your right so uh dune 2 first week in november i think that is which is, it is indeed, not yeah. that long away it's just not is it no not at all it's four months yeah what the fuck yeah four months right uh killers of the flower moon um so i was underwhelmed by the first trailer i'm not so much by this one this looks it was obviously going to be good but this is the trailer that makes me go even if it wasn't a scorsese film i'd be in 
Yeah, it's it is a. I think this more sets it out and goes right. This is what it's about. It's it's Scorsese effectively kind of closing off his American greed um, series of films, and I'm yeah, <laughs> I can see why he said it's like a spiritual Scorsese and DiCaprio have both said it's like a a spiritual kind of sequel or buddy or prequel to um, Wolf of Wall Street but yeah it looks like there's it looks less ponderous than I think the first trailer made it out like it might be um, yeah yes the, 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 it looks like there's going to be a lot more going on whereas the first trailer I think made the first trailer looked a little bit more like oh so this is more Scorsese in silence mode which I am cool with because silence I think will end up being sort of more well regarded once people actually wake up to how fucking magnificent it is mm. but this looks it's like it might be a little bit more towards the you know maybe not quite goodfellas kinetic but that leaning more towards that spectrum of Scorsese yeah yeah quite um, great cast Arthur Nero's going to win best supporting actor who was, sorry, De Niro? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's a good shout. I think Lily Gladstone's probably going to win Best Actress, um, like yeah. just based off of the, the buzz. And it's a story as well, let's be honest. Um, mm. it, it, yeah, it it looks like a good grown-up, let's tell a story, take our time, but it's going to be full of intrigue, uh, you know, yeah. and, and drama and stakes. So... Yeah, well up for it. Um, yeah, I always, I always like it when when Scorsese tells people off as well because he does it in such a nice way. Yeah. <laughs> he does it in such a like you walk out of it and then you you're chatting about it afterwards. You go, oh wait, no, he was telling us off, wasn't he? Fucking hell, the sneaky bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, October, and again, not that far away. Three months. Not. Um, right. Okay. Um, so let's do it. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is directed by James Mangold and stars Harrison Ford, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, Antonio Banderas, John Reese Davies, Seanette Renee Wilson. Um, the according to Mark Kermode, scene stealing Toby Jones. Um. I just want to set you off there. I just want to wind you up and let you go. Um, can you can you tell can you tell their friends? Um, Boyd Holbrook, Mads Mikkelsen, maybe most importantly out of uh, all all of those. Oh, and um, Ethan Isadori as the um, what's the name of the kid sidekick? Mark. What was Short his... round part two. Yeah, there you go, Teddy. But Mayor's yeah. So, uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. IMDb says, archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary artifact that can change the course of history. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Mark, what do you think mm-hmm. of uh, this one? Um, right. It's... At points, it's fun. Um... The problem is, 
when it's not fun, it's really quite boring. And it's it's two and a half hours long. And it, it has no rhyme or reason to be two and a half hours long. And it's it's not two and a half hours long, but I think because you could take a chunk of it out. It's two and a half hours long because it just it, it there's too much of it um, that that's there. And um, again, you've got things like Ford is definitely in, which I think I think is now something that, that seems to get said every time Ford's in things. So I think maybe the idea of you know going back to the early noughties Ford where he looked like he was sleepwalking through things. Um, we need to kind of like lose that and just say, look, if he's in something now, he's kind of in it. Um, but at points, it feels like, yeah, this is great because I'm watching Indy. And then at points, you're going, yeah, this is great. I just wish you'd go away though now. And the same thing, I think, can be said by uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character in the sense that you watch it going, yeah, she's fun, she's spiky and all this lot. But also, it, it's a little bit like, yeah, but I wish you'd just kind of fuck off a little bit out my Indiana Jones movie occasionally. And Toby Jones, I still go back to the thing of just because you've been... It's the, it's the Richard E. Grant thing. Just because he's British do, and he's a character actor doesn't mean he's that good an actor. Because he's just not. He, he may occasionally be, but whenever you see him in a blockbuster or anything like this... He's not. He's playing the same bumbling kind of character. And I just... There was at one point where in the opening in the opening sequence where I watched it going, so wait, it's, it's bumbling Brit and dashing American. Are we, are we back there again? Okay. I, I just enough. wanted to know who the fuck he fucked to produce Phoebe Waller-Bridge. <laughs> Do you know what? That the other bit there was. I'm sorry. Are we led to believe that he, that that not only that that man is free one of Bridges' father, but also as well that somebody not that somebody had sex with him, that he managed to have sex. <laughs> I'm sure Which, Toby Jones fucks. I don't want to like. I'm, I, I don't want to denigrate sure Toby him Jones like that. fucks. But that character doesn't fuck. Oh, alright. Basil Shaw. Yeah, Basil Shaw probably Basil doesn't Shaw fuck. doesn't fuck. Toby Jones, I believe, has fucked. Basil Shaw does not fuck. Um, but it's fun at point. It's just, it's fucking too long. It's so long. And, as well, the fun element of these things, or, or the original ones, was there was a... They were teetering on the on the edges of of supernatural and, and reality, and you know you, you had that element. Whereas this just goes, nah, I can fucking time travel, mate. Uh, I'm gonna. I think teetering on the edge is a bit. You know, there was the Holy Grail shit in the Last Crusade. Um, they are opened the Ark of the Covenant and all that shit happened in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's yeah. I think it, it it's the fact it's the fact that Indy is displaced sp- into another time, which is a bit that's that's a that's a leap. 
And I kind I I both get and also don't get people going. That's kind of crossed a bit of a line. But I think also, I think the the issue that you've got there is does the is 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 you've got the fucking the elephant in the room, which is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull aliens. It it just. This feels more drawn back in towards the indie indie films that people like, but still, they just they had to reach that little bit too fucking far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, sure. I mean, look, what did you think? I think I've slightly cooled on it after. Like, I I wasn't like five star banger at first. I think I think it's good. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I it it. It's like you say. It's it's fun when it's fun. It's too long. There's some so long. there's some just lazy shit to it. Like one thing that screamed out to me when that kid is introduced, he's in that like bar, and he's yeah. like pretending to fly, and there's like a drunk pilot going now do the blah blah blah. And yeah. then at the end, it's like, yeah, I think I can fly that, and it's just a bit. Huh? You, 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 yeah, as soon as you notice what he was doing in the in that in that bar, like, oh, I wonder if he's going to fly a plane I, later I, on. I mean, it. I get that it's Indiana Jones, but I mean, come on. So also, just one thing as well, they spent so long trying to de-age Indiana Jones's look that they didn't think to de-age his voice completely threw me out of it. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I thought they did a decent job with that de-age, very, very good de-aging. Yeah. As soon as he opens yeah. his, ma- his mouth, the spell's broken. Oh, yeah, you, you, you're actually going, well, yeah, that is how Harrison Ford sounds now. Now. <laughs> he doesn't sound, he didn't sound in the 80s how he sounds now. No. So there, there, there was there was that. Um, you know, Antonio Banderas, I'm sure he just wanted to be in an Indiana Jones film, but there was a point what? there was a point with Antonio Banderas where I was like, Wait, is that it? Is he literally just gonna be in there waving at Indy and then nothing else? Because I'm kind of alright with that. I mean, yeah, if it was like Ethan Hawke in Glass Onion or something like that, you know, then great. Yeah. great. You know. Like, like Jeff Goldblum in Asteroid City. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite, quite, quite. Um, and, yeah, I, it, you know, it, it, it was all right. <laughs> you know, it just, it, stop trying to make Indiana Jones work, I think is probably what, I, what I'm getting at, really. You know, it's that... Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was already going on about how old he was. This time, you know, it's that that opening, like uh, after the prologue, that like next ten minutes or so is quite depressing because it's just like no one gives a fuck what he thinks anymore. They're rushing him out the door to retirement. You know, he's yeah, it, it, it's it's he's gone from being a prof from being a professor at like the most prestigious universities to just like. Nobody gives a shit anymore. And it, it just, it, it was, it did make you feel a little bit, oh, that's a bit, yeah. But, but you know, I mean, Mads Mikkelsen is some of the most obvious casting for that role you could ever have, but he's he's, do, he's doing a good yeah. job. 
Um, you know, points to him. I thought Phoebe Waller Bridge was all right. You know, like yeah, I, I, she's 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 fun. Yeah, that I, that scene on the boat where she's like like doing the riddle and kind of like mildly taking the piss out of those guys, and then she's got that dynamite behind her back. I thought that was really good. You know, that felt yeah. in the spirit of Indiana Jones. Um, but the whole chase with. Teddy, um, I, I don't know, like, her, her, when they, um, it starts with a chase with, like, her ex-boyfriend or whatever it is. Like, that whole section. Just cut that out. There you go, 15 minutes gone, yeah. easy. Yeah, 15, 20 minutes gone there, straight away. Um, it just, the thing there is, you'd have a better movie if this movie was two hours long. I make, Yeah, make it the length of a normal Indiana Jones film, and I... You, you, you know, you could get more showtimes in as well. Um, I, I will just, ta- slight tangent, I really, really hope that one of the lessons learned is not every summer blockbuster needs to be two and a half hours this year. I'm sorry, because then you can get more showtimes in as much as anything else, but also just tries the patience less. It, you know, the, the John Rhys-Davies is Salah, it's nice to see him, it's also a little bit depressing. Um, I, yeah, it just... This is a film that didn't need to be made. It feels like they only made it because the king because people don't like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I that yeah. I think I'd probably watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull again before I watch this one again. And I'm not saying I'd that this is bad. This. It's like I think Kingdom of the Crystal Skull's fine. I've watched this of Crystal Skull. I don't like the alien bit of Crystal Skull. It it, it bugged me too much. The, not everything has to be fucking aliens, George. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's. Yeah, that's that's fair. Is, is that this is? I, I think this is. I think it, I, personally, I, I do think it's better than Kingdom of Crystal Skull. My only thing is why I I I will watch this again because I'll watch it with Becky when she when uh, when it, it comes available on Disney Plus there because she'll want to watch it. I, I I can't see myself ever watching it again after that. No, just because it, it's it's two and a half hours long, you know. None of the other ones were anywhere near that. I think um, Last Crusade might have been just over two hours long. Mm. The rest of them were like, were, were you know, were, were made so you, you could do it in two hours, including roughly, including kind of credits, including um, trailers and bits like that. And there you go, fucking done. It's just, if you need two and a bit hours to tell an Indiana Jones story about a character that is, this is now the fifth movie and the character's been going for over 40 years in cinema, then, Jesus fucking Christ, you've got to really, really amp it up with the fucking action. And I just don't think it it, it does, really. Um, The opening set piece is a lot of fun. But, None of the other ones are that much fun. They're just they're fine. They just go on too fucking long. That's a fair comment. It's I don't know. It's weird. And at the end of it, when fucking Karen Allen just appears, it's just like I I know what you're doing. You're closing it off nicely. You, 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 you're giving the character a nice happy ending, but then. Why did you have to have him? There's no reason for him to not not be with Marion at the start of it. It it 
and this this is the thing it kind of invalidates the emotional arc with Indy there where Mutt died in Vietnam and that drove a wedge through them and then what what makes their relationship all right again is Indy gets hurt and she comes back to support him and then just kind of just Falls for him again instantly. Like it, well, it, I, it, it, it's the it, it's the it, the real Indy's back. He's not just moping around drinking anymore. Uh, it feels a little bit like I just I felt a little bit like when it, when it first arrived. It's like I, I'm not, and I don't think it continued it throughout the movie. But when it started, the first thing you introduced to Indiana Jones is he's a grouchy old drunk. No, it, it, I just. It feels a little bit like why? Why did you need to make that character that? You could have just had him go back to being a a bumbling kind of nerd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It it feels unnecessary. The reaction to it, both critically and commercially, are gonna paint it as unnecessary. Mm. I. I do ever so slightly wonder whether it will tarnish the lasting brand of Indiana Jones, just the wet fart that it's come out to. It, despite the fact that it's a perfectly, it's a perfectly decent film, but I'm saying it's a perfectly decent film and it's fucking Indiana Jones. The thing is, I don't think we needed a fourth 15 years ago. No. Um, and then we didn't need a fifth 15 years, you know, now, you know, it's, I am glad that they didn't decide to reboot Indy and do a new one and and have Chris Pratt be Indiana Jones. Yeah, that that was a lot closer to happening than people think. And the reaction to this, I think, means that they're not going to bother. No, no, that, that, that this will be... I think this will be... It. I mean, the thing that you could do, they won't do because it would cost too much money and it would take too much development, but the thing that would work for Indiana Jones would be a game. Oh, no, it that's coming. Is it coming? Yeah, so, but oh. Xbox only. Fair play. But yeah, it's the people who did the Wolfenstein games uh, behind it. And is it is it going to be void? Are they going to use? Uh, I would be stunned if they managed to get Harrison Ford for it. You see, that's it. You could have they could have done something like that. But but indie, I'd play an Indiana Jones game because I think it'd be fun, and it would be movie tying games were usually quite you know were either really shit or really quite fun. But yeah, I think that's where it's going to go. Where it could go now, it isn't going to be. I'm glad Ford said, I'm done with it. That's my last one. And, like you said, I don't see them doing another one. I don't see them rebooting it. But then again, you know what they're fucking like. They might, in three years, they might go, just maybe. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. This is, like I said earlier on, I think the just kind of like the reboot, like re-sequel, whatever, for this stuff. I think the Ghostbusters coming out at the end of the year is going to be... A, 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 like maybe the maybe the straw that breaks the camel's back, or maybe the one that convinces convinces them to have another crack at it. Because that's that, it, yeah. That one a couple years back came out when shit was still a little bit shaky post COVID. 
this next one, if that doesn't do well, I I I I think we're it's done. It's got less excuses. Yeah, 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 exactly. If that just does what that 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 one a couple of years back did, like yeah, no, that's that's not going to go down well. That that film coming out at Christmas is a fucking mental decision as well. I think it's quite clever though. I do think that's quite clever. I I, just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I it, it's it's like that haunted mansion film that's coming out in August. I think it's quite smart that they're doing that in the dog days of summer and then they can have a Disney Plus debut right around Halloween. I think that's mm. really that's really clever. That's Make some money one, yeah. at the box office, then you got a big fucking thing to advertise with Disney Plus in October. Mm. But, I'd, yeah, I don't know. May, maybe I'll be wrong there. But, hey, look. Dial of Destiny. It, it, look, it's, it's not shit. It's not shit, no. No, it's not. It's just, it's just not great either. It's the fourth or fifth best Indiana Jones film. Yeah, <laughs> and the last. But 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 the other bit there is that, that, that brings it out with that. It means that the last um, good Indiana or, or great Indiana Jones movie was. What over thirty-four years ago? ago. <laughs> so, just stop. Yeah, <laughs> just, just stop. You had a good run. You had a good eight years. You cracked out three bangers, but just stop now. You don't need any more. Right. Here we go. I'm fucking fascinated. Oh, Ast- oh gone. Our, 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 our audience poll. Sorry, apologies. Yes. Uh, was 36% definitely not shit, 14% touching cloth, and 50% shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, get it. Um. Okay. Asteroid City is written, well, co-written and directed by Wes Anderson and stars every person. Um. It's just, it's, it's a lot of people. Uh, right, okay, IMDb says, following a writer on his world-famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech-obsessed family to small rural asteroid city to compete in a junior stargazing event only to have his worldview disrupted forever. Um, what, the writer's worldview? Well, that's not right. Yeah. Oh, or is it the grieving father? The grieving father. Who has yeah, his worldview yeah. disrupted forever. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I suppose it's kind of about that. Um, yeah, kind of. Right, uh, uh, just Mark, go. Asteroid City. So, I have a very mixed relationship. I would say that I I, I like a couple of Wes Anderson movies and I, I find a lot of them kind of nails down a fucking chartboard. And... Going into this, I was I'm, I was genuinely like really excited about it, and I can't put my finger on why. Um, and everybody kept saying to me, "It's the most Wes Anderson of Wes Anderson movies. You're gonna hear it." And my brain was there going, "Dude, seriously, what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you having are you having some kind of episode?" Then mm. um, the opening bit of it. Um, you know when the train's going by and it's got all the different bits on it so it's got like peaches and bits like that on it yeah um, 
I was the only person who laughed like a lot when the when the nuclear warhead went by. <laughs> and I like for some reason that really fucking tickled me. Nice. And so I like fully like belly laughed and felt the gaze of everybody looking at me. And I was in a very much give a shit. That's funny. Um, on there. I had a really good time with Asteroid City. Oh, fucking hell. Wow, okay, cool. Yeah. Great. I had a really good time with it. Um, the bit where I think um, it, it could have lost me and it will have lost a lot of people, of those who don't like it, is the first alien bit, whereas I loved it. Fucking great. Thought it was, thought it was great. That was brilliant the way it posed for the photo. <laughs> um, love the fact that Wes Anderson could do that. You know, can, can, can essentially go, do you know what? Nah, we're going to do a stop motion bit. And it's like, yeah, you, yeah you, you, you can get away with that, Wes Anderson. That's cool that you can get away with that. There's still little bits in it that I think are a little bit like, right, Wes Anderson gets away with this, but other directors wouldn't. And I'm not, I think this is a little bit like, Come on, people! You'd be criticising other directors for this. Can we just add a little bit of fucking balance? Um, I, I still think that he's got this obsession with all. Where I don't think Wes Anderson has met a child uh, because he <laughs> thinks all of them are. He he essentially thinks that when he was a child, he was a genius, and that nobody understood him. And he may well have been, but most fucking kids are fucking idiots, mate. They just are. <laughs> Even the ones that are ge- that might be seen as geniuses are fucking idiots because they're children and their brains haven't fully developed yet. Um, but overall, yeah, it's fun. It's bright. It is. It's breezy. It it is in on most of its own fucking jokes. Um, I yeah, I had a great time with it. It looks fucking great as well. I love the I love the style of it and the the the, the, the cinematography is fantastic. I mean, what he said basically, yeah. Um, the stop motion bit with the alien is very fucking funny. Just it's very funny the way he's a little bit like, have they seen me? Have, have they seen? Me? I don't <laughs> yeah. think they've seen me. I don't think they've seen me. All right, I'm just gonna take this and I'm gonna I'm just gonna creep back. It's the alien's expression. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's absolutely that. It's like he's surprised, but also surprised that he, in his perception, none of them have seen him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, Until he takes the photo. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And just like when it said Jeff Goldblum as, as the alien at the start, I'm pretty sure it says that. Or it maybe it says yeah. it at the, at the start or the it's end. The, it's, it's the end, I think. Uh, at the end, okay. Just no, because no, I swear it's at the start because I because like I because I was thinking there, what did Jeff Goldblum do some sort of weird motion capture that they turned into stop motion and then he's like in it in the kind of like play, play within um, the play on, bit yeah. later on. It was like, oh, right, okay, but I just had Im- images in my head of Jeff Goldblum just in a mocap suit doing that. Have they seen me yet? Have they seen? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It just it's 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 a bit of a treat. Like it just it's a very chill kind of hangouty movie. 
which isn't necessarily taking itself seriously, but then still does have like highfalutin ideas about theatre. But it's not necessarily shoving it down your neck. And like you say, like the color, the the color palette fucking rules. Yeah, Um, the whole looking film. Yeah, the Asteroid City, like the production design, what the like, like I was saying earlier on, I think it's going to get some Oscar nominations. It's going to get, it's going to get below the line uh, nominations up the wazoo. You know, um, I think I think it'll probably end up getting a screenplay nomination as well because it, it seems to be hitting and sticking. And it, it it's it's the things I really really like about Wes Anderson, and I'm delighted that you like it. But it's just like there's something in my head that's like, if you like this one, why don't you like a lot of the other ones? But it's cool. Um, and, and, yeah, I I think it doesn't. I think it's maybe because it doesn't have a stick up its ass as much as some of his other films do, just in terms no. of in terms of the I'm being quite smart, which I yeah, like. It's not that, and it's not this film isn't really that. I mean, you do have the bit at the end where it's like if you can't if you can't fall asleep. What is it? If you can't duh, duh, then you can't wake up. Like, what do they keep on repeating in that bit towards oh, the end? Um... If you're not, if you're, yeah, it's like, um, if you can't fall asleep, then you can't wake up. If you haven't woken up, did, did you ever fall asleep or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that, like, there was a moment there where I was like, right, okay, if it ends here, I'm not entirely sure about this. And then it does, and, and, and then it kind of kicks on from there. It's like, right, okay, cool, we're back. Um, yeah. I, I, I Jason Schwartzman, again, not an original thought. That motherfucker is a good looking dude. He, can I can I ask a question though? Mm. Why has he got part of his head shaved in the uh, in the bits that the asteroid city bits? Who cares? No, I, that, it it was really bugging the oh, shit really? out of me. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. like really bugging the life out of me. It's like where he's where essentially the front of his hair is. He has like a strip shaved out of it. All and I it's know. like, I was, and I watched it. it, it I, I noticed it in the scene where he's telling the kids, and I watched it going, right? Was this like reshoots, and he shaved his head for something else, and it's just they've gone right, it's fucking done. And then it was like, no, it's continuing through that. Right, this is good. This has got to come up somewhere in the film because <laughs> it's now just that obvious that it has to be part of the film, and then it wasn't, and it bothered me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 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 sorry for you. Um, yeah, I need to know why. <laughs> I will say I thought him and Joe Anthony had great chemistry. Um, those yep. com- those conversations they're having together when they're looking at each other from across their bathrooms. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that don't was. See, don't, don't see why we needed the again uh, full frontal nu- female nudity only in. Um, for no real reason. He does like it. Yeah, like no, yeah, yeah. He does no, he like does. having a full... Listen to no French Dispatch. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're yeah. right. You did the same thing with that. Is it Hotel Chevalier? What, with Portman? Yep. Did he? I don't remember that. I must have passed out. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, the, the only bits I, that I thought were a little bit like, hmm, 
why does he continue to get away with this and other directors don't? I, I think that he... and the and the age gap relationships that nobody ever fucking points at in Wes Anderson movies, but are always there. <laughs> What's the age gap relationship in this one? There's def- they're definitely hinting at something between Maya Hawk and Rupert Friend, who should be in more things. I um. How, I, how old was Rupert Friend coded as being in this film? Because I didn't necessarily... Rupert Friend is, is early 40s and Maya Hawke is early 20s. I, 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 I just... In you this... see, you're doing it. Not, you're doing <laughs> yeah, it because I didn't him. read him as early 40s. I read her as early 20s, but I kind of read him as being 30s. I would. I didn't. I wasn't looking at them going. There's twenty years between them. I'll be honest. I genuinely wasn't. It's just a lot of. If this was a different filmmaker, people would be going, "Oh, that's a bit." That's I, a bit. Do you know what? I probably would be as well. It just like in in that. I did. Yes, definitely. They were hinting at something. Like she was basically like, "I'm DTF. Yeah, let's go." Yeah. You know. So I. Yeah. One hundred percent. I just. I didn't notice that in the physicality, essentially. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I mean, the full frontal nudity thing, I think that's a good point. There's, I think there's some in the life aquatic as well. Um, so. Yeah, there is. It, 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 it does like it. It is a little bit creepy. I found it creepy in French Dispatch where it was layers to do for no reason for a, a long amount of time. Yeah. It, it, dude's in his early 50s now, could probably do with not doing that. If he wants to not be cancelled in the future, yeah, it yeah. Just, it, it just felt a li- they were the bits there, but love seeing Matt Dillon back on our big screen. Yeah, and that 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 whole when it's either really like a really quick fix and blah blah blah, or you're fucked. Yeah, let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then, and like, like, nothing comes no. out. It's like, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And he just sat spraying and watching. The fact that it comes back again later yeah. on as well. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, like, see, it, it's just a really fun and movie. I, I just, just, I did like as well when that kid gets the check at the end and um, Tom Ice is like, what are you going to spend the money on? And he's just like, I don't know, probably my girlfriend. They both nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it that? That's good. Hanks was good as well. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I. The one one thing I will say about Hanks is, it's really weird in the fact that you know the first scene where um, he he arrives at the um, asteroid city and they're burying the what is it? Mm. He's clearly not there. Like that is clearly green screen. It is really obviously green screen. But then the rest of the time he's there. It it was like shot under kind of like COVID restrictions. Um, I think they shot it last year where it was like at the tail end of that kind of stuff. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was an element of that to it. Yeah, it was. But it was just weird the fact that like. It didn't take me out of it or anything like that. I was cool with it, but it was more the fact that I was like, 
So is Hanks, is Hanks ever going to actually be there, or is he always going to be like essentially in his back garden, but just with a green screen behind him? Mm. Then no, he's there the rest of the time, and he's he's in it a lot more than I thought he was going to be. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, no, he was, he was, and I, I, I would just say as well, Steve Carell, small role, replaced Bill Murray, I think, pretty last minute. Did quite enjoy his. Yes, I understand. Like at the start of like every single one of his scenes. And that uh, this whole little bit of like selling parts of the land, but then it's not necessarily actually the rights to the land, and like the way that kind of goes. And also the vending machines, brilliant. The Martini mm. vending machine, that was great. That feels like <laughs> such a fucking Wes Anderson thing, but I loved it. Yeah, I, I was watching the, the vending machine, Martini vending machine and going, I mean, that could work. I mean, one hundred percent, I would buy a Martini out of a vending machine. <laughs> yeah. Um, weirdly there's a not too far away from where we live there's a farm shop you know farm shops have like become like a big thing mm-hmm. over the past sort of 10 years Yeah. but this one's a vending machine farm shop so it's all I've not been yet because it's kind of like on my way to work and then when I'm coming home from work I'd have to cross like a, a road that's quite it's a pain in the ass to then get back onto but I might try and go to it tomorrow because um, I'm fascinated what a farm shop that is a vending machine farm shop is going to look like. That's a good call. In my mind, if it's not Asteroid City, <laughs> then I'm going to be really fucking disappointed now. Mm. Just go to the counter and go, where's the martini one? <laughs> you should say that. Um, <laughs> right, great. Yeah, uh, definitely not shit. I'm really glad you liked it. That's brilliant. Definitely not shit. I had a great time with it. Um... Yeah, the um, Maya Hawk trying to do the, the the same fucking um, lesson like three times in a row was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a real fun movie. Yeah, I um, got I got to say as well, it's it's wild how deep his casting is. Where so, so Sophia Lillis, who you know from it and was like one of the leads of Dungeons and Dragons among thieves. It is is not even in kind of like the opening crawl of credits, and she's just in the kind of like the with block at te- of text at yeah. the end. And you know she doesn't have a big role, but that's how fucking deep his bench is. She was a lead in a big studio movie this year, and she's just there. Yep, and it'll be because she wants to work with Wes Anderson. That's it. Everyone's there because they want to work with Wes Anderson, or because. Because they work with Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Ah, good. I'm really glad you liked it. Right. Uh, I'm going to ding, ding, ding for half time. Cool. I'm going to quickly audience poll it while you do that. Then I'm going to oh. grab a drink. I keep on forgetting that. No, I want to hear the audience poll. Go on. Audience poll. Uh, definitely not shit, 38%. Mm. Uh, touching cloth, 38%. Uh, and shit, 25%. Surprised amount of shit. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised at that. Um, yeah, no, I had a, a good time with it. Good film. Nice. Right, back in a couple minutes.
<coughs> and I'm back. Hello. Hello. Right. So, let's kick into some uh, what we've been up to, shall we? How's that sound? Mark, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Um, so, I have... What have I watched? Um, well, Dashcam is back, um, but Dashcam didn't have a good week. <laughs> is what I will say here. Um, I have films lined up to a better week with Dashcam next week. Um, but... I the cam Kadanda um, everyone's favourite that I watched to get it out of the way because you know I've got to watch all of them so I need to get some of them out mm-hmm. of the way was Twilight mm-hmm. rewatch Twilight um, <laughs> Twilight just it's not very good it's just it's fun it's funny but in, it's not supposed to be <laughs> and and then it got to the end of it and I went wait shit was Cam Kadanda in that I didn't see him <laughs> and then. Had to then Google to see it was like, oh god, yeah, he was that guy. Those yeah. those films are Look just. Only in one. Yeah, those films are pretty fucking rough rewatches, man. Yeah, I know we did we did them in during COVID, didn't we? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I then had to quickly check afterwards and go, oh shit, wait, he's not in the rest of Nizay. Ah oh, fuck, I might have. I might have, I might have gone wrong down the wrong road. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that would have luckily been, yeah. he's not. Uh, uh, I would have still done it. I'd have taken that bullet, but uh, um, and then I watched. Uh, so this, I watched a film by. So you know the guy in Fast Times at Ridgemount High, the creep who um, essentially takes uh, Jennifer Jason Lee on a date and fucks her um, in the baseball um, dugout. Uh, sure, sorry, maybe not so, myself, but yeah. I, I I watched a film written and directed by him. <laughs> okay. Not the actual character, but the actor. The guy who become fucking weird, fourth wall breaking. Um, there, uh, called On the Inside. Um, it stars Nick Stahl, um, and Olivia Wilde, and of course Dash Mihok. Um, and yeah, it's not very good. It's rough. Um, it was made in like 2012 but it looks like it was shot on like a handy cam from 2002 uh, it is it's rough um, he, Nick Stahl is like the central character and he plays a, a kid who he kills his stepfather um, and he's sent to like a a hospital for the criminally insane to be assessed to see if he's actually sane or not. Um, and then he seems to he, he seems to like make friends with um, Pruitt Taylor Vince, who is an also patient there. And because they get on really well, it, it calms him down and it gives him a better sort of sense. So he gets moved to a minimum security sort of wing where he can mix with where. The, the, the female patients and the, by the way this is still a prison can mix with the, the male patients which you're kind of there going that doesn't seem right <laughs> and it, he ends up falling for um, Olivia Wilde's character who has bipolar but that just means occasionally she just shouts cool. um, but what would you have it fucking Dash Meok um, who plays a, a, a fucking batshit guy called Carl who is just insane uh, and really violent well do you know what he's breaking out 
of prison and he doesn't like our Nick Stahl um, from because he, he he got to know him you know before don't like him uh, and as he's breaking out runs into uh, Nick Stahl and Livia Wilde and he's just, just fucking not happy about it um, and it kind of ends <laughs> it's just it's not very good <laughs> I just I got I got two stinkers in a week and I'm all right with it <laughs> yeah so next week I've set myself up I'm gonna watch the roommate. With Kangadamji, which I remember being quite fun, and Silver Linings Playbook. Is so, he in that? Dash Mehawks in it. Yeah. Oh, Dash Mehawks in it. Of course yeah. he is. Okay, yeah. all right. So, yeah. so I've got two decent ones to go there next sure. week. I'm all right with that. Um, what else did I watched this week? Um, I rewatched a John Travolta movie called A Civil Action. Um, a legal drama film um, because I'm not sure, sure why I just I, I I fancied watching something calming with John Travolta in it and I so I landed on that um, and it, it's kind of fun it's John Travolta playing a, um, a kind of a sleazy lawyer that en- that ends up finding a conscience um, and it's it, I think I spoke about it not too long ago so I won't bore people on it again uh, what else did I catch up with Rewatched Tombstone. Uh, me and Bex watched that uh, the other night. She wanted to watch Tombstone because she wants to watch like every few years, and I can see why Tombstone is fucking great. Um, just every time you watch it, you're reminded of just how fucking good Tombstone really is. Um, yeah, just an absolute banger of a movie. Um, still maintain that whenever the question comes up of you know. What performance never got nominated for an Academy Award but deserved to win one? And it's Val Kilmer in Tombstone every fucking single time. Mm. Um, you know, you've got the even just down from um, him in general, but the the, the scene where uh, Michael Bean is like twirling the guns and everything like that, and he just starts twirling the fucking his drinking cup round, um, and he's doing that to just take the piss. That's fucking great, and then. You've got the whole, you know, the bit where he, he takes over from Wyatt to to kill um, Michael Bean, but it's that the end fucking scene that is the just an absolute peach where he basically is telling Wyatt Earp to just stop using him as an excuse to not live his fucking life and please just let me die. Mm. It's just fucking. It's it's all the things I think that Kilmer. It's such a shame that Val Kilmer let him, let the fact that he was Val Kilmer <laughs> kind of get to him too much. Um, so yeah, it's but it's a it's an absolutely magnificent movie. Um, what else did I re- watch? Rewatch the core. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean. The, the premise of it is fun, of the core, of the fact that you've got the idea that the the Earth's core essentially is stopping spinning, so they need to drill down to it to set off some nuclear warheads to kind of jumpstart the Earth again, is a fun premise. And I can see why, you know, absolutely, somebody at Paramount went, yeah, fucking go on then. <laughs> we we can get behind that. Um, 
Yeah, the cast is really good. Aaron Eckhart, Hilary Swank, Delroy Lindau, Stanley Tucci, Richard Jenkins, Bruce Greenwood. Um, but it's just, it's kind of like once you actually get into the actual, the idea of it, it's like you're there going, hang on a minute, wait a minute. They're drilling at the court centre of the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. <laughs> nah. You've explained the science to it. I just, I'm not buying it. I'm just not fucking buying it. Uh, but it's fun enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> just Honestly, it's another film that I will re-watch again in probably two or three... I, well, not probably two or three years. Probably another five years' time. Get halfway through it and go... Ah, uh, yeah, this isn't very good. <laughs> but I'll forget that in five years' time. <laughs> Some brutal deaths in it, though, as well. In the core. Like, yeah. Mm. Like, Bruce Greenwood just falls into a fucking vat. It's like a pit of lava. <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, and then, like, you, you, people always say about movies, oh, you couldn't get away with that now. And it's usually about, like, stuff that you probably shouldn't have got away with back then. But, like, the idea of collateral damage, like, in movies. There's a bit where the San Francisco bridge just gets fucking melted with, like, loads of, like, traffic on it. And, like, all these people just die. And it's then, it's kind of dealt with in the sense of, well, that was shit, wasn't it? (laughs) And I quite, I kind of enjoy the fact that that human life in this movie just has no fucking meaning whatsoever. (laughs) Um, so yeah I, I kind of enjoyed that and then yeah um, we rewatched um Mission Impossible Fallout which is just which is just brilliant it's it's it, I think you know there's an element of um, it came out I believe was it the year before Endgame so it came out the same year as... Um, uh, yeah, 18 sounds year. right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just... It, the Marvel movies were a feat. And, you know, we, we, we've discussed it on the facts, and I think we might even discuss it a little bit when we talk about secret inversions um, in a moment. But... It's been on a downward trajectory for like the past three or four years. Mm. But Mission Impossible Fallout, I think, kind of showed us a little bit. Look, blockbusters don't have to be out of this world. Uh, they can be just. You can go back to the whole old idea of they can just be a little bit more grown up. Dare I say? Um, and Fallout is that, but it's also it's fun in places, and I think that the the fun bit that they that they've done with um, the character of Ethan Hunt is is have it that he is to an element kind of fallible, you know, the the bathroom scene where both him and Henry Cavill get their asses handed to them by that guy, and then he gets to get saved again by Elsa. Is is just fucking great, um, and then him just saying like, "I'm gonna go for it," and every comes like, "Wait, what? You just making this up as you go along?" And Rebecca Ferguson's like, "You're pretty new here, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, they are just that. It is all right. We have a great plan, 
but it's not going to go to plan, so we're going to have to just kind of pivot midway fucking through it. Mm. It's just quite lovely, and I, I do... I'm very much looking forward to... I'm going into Dead Reckoning of the opinion now of I don't think it's going to be as good as Fallout, but I do think it's going to be the best blockbuster I see this year. And I'm using the sense of blockbuster, not the best film, but the best blockbuster I'm going to see this year. Better than Oppenheimer? I, I, I don't think Oppenheimer's a blockbuster. I think it's going to do well enough to justify its place as a blockbuster. It's going to do well there, but I don't think it's... It's not a blockbuster like Day of Reckoning's a blockbuster. <laughs> In the same way as I wouldn't consider Barbie to be a blockbuster, but Barbie is going to do incredibly well. Yeah, okay. Seen as literally the other day at work, I was opening up, and bear in mind, I run a men's wear department, I was opening up a, a box, got the shorts out that were in the box, and went, oh, fuck. Oh, they must be ladies. Oh, wait, no. They are a pair of pink men's Barbie shorts. Fair play. You know, I'm absolutely no problem with men wearing pink Barbie shorts. Absolutely on that. And there was a little bit of me went, well, I don't see why guys can't wear it. But that did trigger me at first of go, these must be women's. But we've got a whole section of Barbie for men, women and children. Solid. At the, my place of work that I won't name, that people are going to know is fucking obvious about that because it's going to be in the fucking windows for the next three weeks. Curry's PC world. There you go. Um... Yes, yeah, so segueing nicely, um, I I I popped my Marvel TV show cherry. And what what made you do that? I was fucking stunned when you said that you'd watch this. Um, I think part of it is I've not. I, me, me and Becky usually have a TV show kind of like going on in the background that we can watch, just because it's nice to have something with my work schedule and bits like that. Sometimes where we don't have an hour and a half. But we have 45 minutes. Sure. Or we do have an hour and a half, but we might only want 45 minutes. So there is that. I've not got one. We've not got one going at the moment. We've not. So we did Bones and we did like 12 seasons of that. So we've not restarted anything yet. We were going to do Twin Peaks, but we kind of haven't really done that because there's, there's a big commitment of it, mm-hmm. of, of all that. Um, and so I was like, right. I'm going to give it a go. I'm not sure I'm going to watch it all. I'm still not sure if I'm going to watch it all. But I'm going to give it a go just so it's like, it's the one that has most intrigued me. Partially because it's the one that's been released and nobody seems to be talking about it. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and it just seems like a, oh, it's a spy thriller with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I'll watch that. So we watched the first, um, I've watched the first two episodes, but we'll, we'll concentrate more on the first episode here. But the thing that struck me about it um, immediately was I was incredibly aware that I was j- just watching a TV show and I know it's a TV show but I kind of expected a bit more I kind of expected it to be I didn't expect to be it overwhelmingly to sound and look like a TV show which it, it, it's good but I don't know, I just... I feel like if you're going to make me watch something to understand the thing that I was watching for a decade already anyway that you're then going to charge me extra to watch, probably should be fucking better, mate. Okay. 
I'm two episodes in. I might watch the third. I might not. Is it good? Yeah, it's fine. But I just, I, just, I thought they'd be better. <laughs> I thought there'd be more to them. I don't know. I don't know whether it's because I've watched a few Marvel shows, so my kind of expectations are set. But I. You know, I haven't watched every single one of them. I, I, I've, I quite enjoy this. I think the, in and Noel was saying in the boy chat, it's kind of street level, but it does have like high stakes as well. And I, but I, I like that it's not big beam in the sky. And it might be by yeah. the end of it. It might be, but so far I like that it's people having conversations, and intrigue and tension you know I think Samuel L. Jackson having conversations with people is almost worth the price of admission alone yeah there's a there's a great scene in 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 in, um, the second episode where very much Samuel L. Jackson proves that he's a much much better actor than Don Cheadle (laughs) Uh, yeah I mean yeah yeah it, it yeah, that's fair actually. But I yeah. it, it I'm 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 enjoying Kingsley Benadir. And I, I you know, I think that whole the whole you can kinda see where he's coming from thing that obviously Michael B. Jordan did so well in Black Panther, mm. there are aspects of that to it. Um and yeah, I I I I think this is decent and it's only six episodes. This is the thing. If it was you know, everybody's saying that Andor's great. Andor is twelve episodes, and also Donna's got no interest. Six episodes, and it's something I can watch with Donna. Ding, 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 ding. That's the sweet mm. spot for me. It's the thing is it, with this Kingsley Benadire because I've seen him in a few bits, and I've always quite liked him in what I've seen him in. Um, you know, he's he's good in um, King Arthur. Um, yep. He was very good in One Night in Miami, uh, yep. and I've seen him in a couple of TV things, and he's he's been good in that. He's good in this. He's obviously one of the Kens in Barbie. Oh, is he? I, 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 yeah. I, I don't think I knew that. That's great. Okay. Yeah, and um, he is. I think at the moment he's filming a a Bob Marley. Um, yeah, biopic, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Which which is going to do one of two things. Is either going to be absolutely fucking. It's going to be huge. Or is going to be just nothingness. Um, I mean, it's produced by all of his children, so I'm a little bit... Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it just it seems like it, this is going to be the start of this guy kind of arriving, and I'm kind of cool with that. Yeah. Yeah, so I... I... I think it's decent. Look, if, if you watch the rest of it, you know we'll we'll talk about it some more. Otherwise, I'll I'll talk about it briefly. But I I I, I think it's decent. I think it's a good time. Yeah, and I'm hoping that it sticks. But I, I think it's more my thing. I think my brain is just not tuned to TV. Yeah, and you know I that, that I'm not I'm not going to argue that though. That's that's the thing, and I it does make me laugh though that this is following on very directly from Captain Marvel and it's just like where's Captain Marvel who the fuck cares yeah 
even 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 the sequel to Captain Marvel doesn't care about Captain Marvel. No, it that's going to be interesting. Yeah, the thing is, I think that movie is going to do nothing, and it's going to get blamed on all of the wrong reasons for why it's done nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope it's good, and I hope it does really fucking well. And I want Nia Da Costa to be all right. Yeah, that's a big old ask. It's a, I think, third film, and it, it's that. But I mean, the, the trailer was in front of Dial of Destiny, and there's a there, there are bits in it that kind of just look like. You you literally it doesn't even look like it's a green screen. It just looks like you put some fucking styrofoam in the background, painted it white, and pretended it was the moon. Yeah, it is. It it it, it looks it looks like a BBC children's TV show production. That poster that was in the boy chat the other day. I mean, like it, it's damning. Any anyway anyway. Yeah. Oh. Just talking about just mild tangenting before you know what is it? Because I did start ranting before we started recording, didn't I? <laughs> oh, uh, what? Uh, yes, please go. So, very quickly, uh, I did start ranting and we thought, no, this will be good content. Um, so, I went to see Indiana Jones and then I went to see Asteroid City straight afterwards. Um, and I had it timed up brilliantly. That I could have a little break in between of about 20 minutes where I could quickly whip mm. and just grab myself something to eat and be back in for Asteroid City. Because I didn't like the idea of going from like half 11 in the morning to like whenever I end up eating this evening. Um, and so I, I, I timed it all out there and worked it all out. And there was 37 minutes of adverts and trailers before um, Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny. That's taking the piss. I don't mind the 20 minutes. I don't mind, like, you can push it to 25 minutes. But when you're touching 40 minutes, it is bonkers, that. So I literally had to leave one, walk to the... Because it was at the Cineworld in Hull that I went to. Um, it's kind of like the, the box office is in the middle. And then half the screens are at one side and half are at the other side. I literally had to walk out, go to the bathroom get a drink and a bag of Maltesers and then walk across to the other side and sit down and start watching Asteroid City. Um, but yeah, fucking 37 minutes is, is is bonkers. Beyond the pale, but hey, Cineworld's being given to creditors and will probably be dismantled for pennies on the pound. So... Yeah. Good. It's, yeah, Kinda. it is. And the, the thing there is, I mean, even down to things like... Um, you get, you know, it comes up and says these trailers have been specially selected, and they go, "All right, cool, we get some trailers." And then there's three trailers for Cine World. So, does it still do "Welcome Back"? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Been, still does "Welcome Back." It's been two years since they permanently reopened. It's been three years since they reopened for a bit. Yeah. Fuck's it, sake. It, it just yeah. Um. Yeah, just I'd say do better, but it's Cineworld, and they won't. And the thing is, I have to say that I have never ever in 
all the main characters with the Cine world ever met a member of staff that wasn't really helpful and really pleasant. I, so yeah. it's not the car staff. It's, I swear to God, if you work for a cinema, it's because you want to work at a cinema. Like, it... it cinema workers are, you know, and obviously it's per, personal experience, but some of the great unsung, we are paying you fucking shit to oh, yeah. work really late hours and do dog's body stuff and deal with... At times, horrible fucking people. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. It, it, it is that, and it, 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 like you say, I don't, I don't get it. it. It's a, it's a shitty job. It shouldn't be a shitty job, but it is because people will, people will be assholes. I'm, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like I'm paid. Even like taking inflation to account between probably like three and four times now what I was getting paid for being a projectionist, and I'm not working till three in the morning, and yep. you know, and being solely responsible for three hundred people watching a film, and you know, if the film goes off, obviously they don't have platters anymore, but say there's a technical problem. You're solely responsible for it. Otherwise, three hundred people are getting refunds and free tickets. Yeah, you know, I I have a big old degree of responsibility. I am um, the buck stops with me when it comes to the chat bot for a financial a leading financial services company. But I don't have to work till three in the morning, worrying if a projector is going to have a malfunction. And it is disgusting how little cinema staff were and I'm sure still are paid there you go yep. ran over yeah I had a I had a, a, a thing crop up in a job thing for the manager of a cine world the one in New York and I yep. thought not going to do it because fucking hell god no but clicked on it to see what it was and for the manager of the cine world in New York the salary was £24,000 a year and it's like, fucking That's pathetic that's just over minimum wage. And when was that? A couple of years back? About six months ago. Fucking fuck me. 24 grand. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, just over just minimum wage. So you, 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 you quite conceivably, by the literal um, law, you will, ha- you will probably have a manager there who is probably getting paid... 70, 80p an hour more than the rest of his staff. Something, isn't it? It's a big old fuck no. That's that's why you keep losing managers, because you don't pay them enough. <laughs> what kind of fucking... I mean, sure, surely anyone doing that, like you say, it's like 12 months, get manager on my CV. The, the, the thing is there, it is, it, it's completely counterintuitive because you're going to get somebody they're going to employ somebody to do it because they have to and somebody will take that money but that person will be woefully underqualified to do that job and so therefore it will make the whole thing will will it make the whole industry just worse <laughs> and therefore the customer experience becomes worse 
and the job working conditions become worse because there's nothing worse than a manager who is, through no fault of their own, woefully underqualified. Man. Right, over. What have you been up to? You imagine what the fucking development track is for for a cinema, though. Sorry, yeah. <sighs> really, really, really fucking that kind of shit really fucking bothers me, man. You know, like it just if you're not offering kind of like any development within an area other than someday maybe you will change the light bulbs. Like I, yeah, all right, if that. Yeah, it's depressing. Okay, so uh, what I've been up to? Um, fuck it. The Austrian Grand Prix. I'm going to start talking about fucking <laughs> F1 because I'm not watching as many films. So, hey, I've got to fill the time somehow. Um, or I could just make the show shorter. Nah. Um, so, the Austrian Grand Prix. The Red Bull Ring. It was good. So, F1 do this thing now for, I think, six races out of the season. Well, as uh, As well as a race... You have something called a sprint, right? So, on the Friday, you get a practice session, and uh, you all, and then you get one practice session, and then you're straight into qualifying for the Sunday race, right? Then on the Saturday, yeah. you get qualifying for the sprint. It's called the sprint shootout, and then a few hours later, you get the sprint, which is a um, thousand kilometer or like closest in terms of number of laps. Basically, no one really should have to change tires unless it starts pissing down. You don't really need to worry about the engine as much. Just fucking go for it. Like no strategy, just racing. And then on the Sunday, you get the race for which you qualified on the Friday. And it, it you know, like I say, they do it six times a season. And it's to try and kind of like get a bit more like jeopardy and, you know, teams can get more points and things like that. And those weekends are kind of great because you get more racing, but also there's just a lot of fucking racing. But it's cool. And it it results in things like um, the, the guy who qualified second for the sprint ended up just going out in the race and like it that his car's shit but somehow he qualified second for the sprint and it kind of like gives these smaller teams a bit more of a chance because they can do maybe do stuff over shorter distances that they can't do over long and that's great but the brilliant fucking thing about this weekend and like brilliant as in what are they doing so there's a rule where you have track limits Right, and if there are corners and whatnot where people go off the track limits, where there's not an immediate "you're gonna lose time here," then they assess it and give them penalties. Right, and there is this corner, this particular corner, right towards the home straight, the Austrian Grand Prix, that it it basically like if you're really just trying to gain like ten hundredths of a second and whatnot. You're, you're probably going to bounce over it, you know, just like it. And what was happening was in the qualifying, loads of people were getting their times disqualified because they were just going over these these track limits. And then the race, people were going over the track limits loads. 
and they had a finish it they had a finishing order and there was a podium and everything and then Aston Martin one of the teams put in a complaint saying we don't think you caught all the traffic the track limit obstructions and you've got Lewis Hamilton on the team radio because with F1 like they do snippets of the team radio now on Sky you can literally watch the whole race from like the cockpit of any of the drivers and listen to their team radio. It's fucking wild. Um, but they were doing bits of the Hamilton team radio where he's just like uh, Checo, the guy in front. He keeps on he keeps on going over the, the, the track limits. What are you going to do about this? What's going on? What are people doing about this? And he kept on complaining, complaining, complaining. And Toto Wolff, who is one of the most impressive men in all aspects I've ever seen in my life, comes on the radio and he's the team principal so he's not the engineer he's usually on the radio he comes on the radio and he's just like lewis we get it the car is crap please just drive it and it's just the most i hope hamilton just felt like a 10 year old boy being just bollocked by his dad or something in that moment and it's great so anyway aston martin put in this complaint there were 1,200 incidents of the track limits being exceeded that the stewards then had to review. And they did that in about an hour. And then, other than the top three, basically the whole of the order of the, of the race positions got fucked with. And Hamilton after just complaining about another driver going over the track limits, went down like two places because he had also exceeded them and they were just applying time penalties all over the place. And it's just fucking chaos. And it is so magnetic. And that doesn't happen all the time. But just the... it Hamilton just had a really bad weekend. I like Lewis Hamilton. But he was being a whiny little bitch, like on the, his radio, and he both got is, is shot. That kind of his thing, though, isn't he? A bit of a whiny little bitch. And no, I mean, he's quick to point out shit, but so are a lot of the drivers because it's all—it's all about the games, you know. Like the, you guys going to look at this? I can see this. You guys going to get look at this, and all this kind of stuff. So I, I kind of get it, but seriously, Toto Wolf, the um the Mercedes team principal, he gets on the radio, he's just like, We get it, Lewis. The car's crap. You're basically making excuses for the car. Just drive the car. You know, just do Lewis, just do your job. Drive the car. And it it's brilliant. Silverstone's this weekend. I can't fucking wait. Uh woman I work with is going this weekend. I'm very, very jealous. It, the race weekends just look like a great vibe because there's just like concerts, beer flowing, people just wandering around, like the drivers just milling about. It looks like a great time. And anyway, the Austrian Grand Prix. I fucking love F1. F1's brilliant. And that race was fun because it was chaos. So... <laughs> I also watched Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken. You watched it? Yep. Literally watched it with Lottie Sunday morning, came home, stuck the Grand Prix on. 
that was my Sunday. It was a good Sunday. So, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, open to fuck all uh, in the US this weekend. Uh, I think it did okay here. I want to say it did like 800 grand, which is all right, I suppose. So, um, uh, Ruby Gilman and her family are um, Krakens, but they live on... Um, they live by the ocean, even though Debbie, Ruby's being told not to go in the ocean. They do reference at one point, if you don't want to go in the ocean, why are you by the ocean? And they said something. I can't remember what it was, but it actually made sense. So fair play. Like, that was question resolved. Um, Ruby accidentally goes in the sea, turns into a big old kraken, goes on the land. People are like, what the fuck? Ah! It, it, it. It's another uh, a metaphor for puberty, folks. Um, another one. Yeah. Um, she's kind of like calmed down, turns back to normal and whatnot, and then it's like, well, what do I do with my? What do I do with this? Should I embrace this or should I try and hide it? Blah, 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 blah. Um. So the reason why I think this is doing uh, quite badly is because this is squarely made for young girls, and. Um, not like the Little Mermaid where the, where there's nostalgia. Um, I I I I thought it was charming enough. It's not great. Don't get me wrong. And it, 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 I'm not even saying that from my perspective. Lottie afterwards was like, I give that a nine out of ten. I, but I get I I give most things ten out of ten, but I give that a nine out of ten. So it was just a little bit of kid. Some films are not as great as others. You don't have to like everything. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was an awful lot of like Ruby Gilman having a crush on a boy, and you know some potential kissy kissy stuff that she wasn't particularly into because she's nine. Um, and it, yeah. I mean, there were some good moments. Like her dad has a YouTube video uh, channel where he does ASMR while putting ships in bottles, and it's a bit of a running joke, and it's quite funny. I watch it. Yeah, no, exactly, and it is just like, yeah, you know, middle-aged dad me who's getting increasingly into F one and WhatsApped Jordan the other day about how do I get into golf. Um... I would watch an, I would watch that YouTube channel. How'd um, you get into golf? It is an easy one. Duh. I just, I, it just apparently it's very hard. Golf. Yeah. It's fucking boring. I, golf you is know, people, golf, golf, golf is people who hit a certain age and think I should like golf now. Why? George liked golf for years, and I exactly, see. George, George liked golf for years. That's fine, but people who decide to take up golf because they hit an age where they think they should take up golf. What? It's a weird one. I've never understood it. Golf. Tried it. Boring. Really boring. Oh, I want to try it. If it if feels like something that I don't necessarily need to be a physical specimen for, but I could give it a go and work on it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I tried it. It's the thing is, I can understand people more playing golf. It's the watching of golf I don't get. No, I, I yeah, I mean, I'm talking like I'm talking like playing golf. Like, all oh, right, yeah, 
but then again, I'm a I'm a one sport person. I will, I will never understand what, what how people can watch multiple sports. It is never in my brain. Well, no, I mean like this Private. season. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to be like watching Cardiff City of a Saturday, mm. watching the Grand Prix on the Sunday because I am a middle-aged man and I'm in, I've decided to embrace the fuck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the thing about with sports. I, I used to have friends who, who would watch like so many different ones and they'd be like, oh, did you watch the rugby at the weekend? I'm like, no. Oh, did you watch the tennis? No. <laughs> I just literally... Uh, I was I was the no I I I I watched the football. Oh, did you watch any of the sports? No. Mm. In saying that, I still played tennis for the school. I still played badminton for the school. I still played rugby for the school. I still played cricket for the school, and I still played uh, tennis for the school. So fucking, what do I know? Yeah, I'd, 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 but Ruby Gilman, teenage Kraken. Um, if you've got, I was gonna go and see this. What are you? Yeah, I'm gonna go and see it tomorrow. I I I don't think you need to, dude. I don't need to. Nah. I'll wait. Nah. <laughs> nah. I mean, it, it's 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 perfectly cute enough, you know. And there's good there's 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 good perform there's good vocal performances. Coleman Domingo uh, plays her dad, and him doing ASMR is fun. Um, Tony Collette. I, 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 I want to watch that now. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, not look, the film. It, that bit. Yeah, I mean, hey, it, look, it'll it'll be because it's universal and because it made fuck all. It'll be on VOD probably yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I, I I think you'll you you will be able to watch it shortly without going to the cinema. And it's yeah. I look. I, it, I, I, it was perf- It was perfectly. It was perfectly fine, you know. And like lots enjoyed it enough, I suppose. Um, and and there we go. Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. There won't be a sequel. Um, and that is that is that because I said I wasn't going to talk about Drive to Survive anymore because I already did. So, Nimona is directed by Nick Bruno and Troy Gwain and stars Chloe Grace Moretz, Riz Ahmed, Eugene Lee Yang and Francis Conroy. Um, When a knight in a futuristic medieval world is framed for a crime he didn't commit, the only one who can help him prove his innocence is Nimona, a mischievous teen who happens to be a shape-shifting creature he's sworn to destroy. I'm going to start this one. Go on. Nimona fucking slaps. I will have a trilogy of these, please. And I don't think we're going to get them. I thought it was great, but there's a little bit of bias showing because Lottie watched it on Friday and then insisted that a friend watch it with her on Saturday. And they both had a great time. I think Nimona herself is brilliant character design. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz obviously gives a shit. Riz Ahmed, really, really good vocal performance. I thought it had... 
art design up the wazoo. I, I loved the look of it. Um, the third act does the Ralph breaks the internet, make a security insecurity big and literal thing. But I don't know, man. Like she's a big fucking shadow monster who's like like scared and like has mental health issues and yeah kind kind of kind of there for it to be honest i i i i i thought i thought this was charming uh like the action sequences were cracking really genuinely funny in points um and the the ending where he went holy sh lots kind of just thought that was the funniest thing she's ever seen um so like I say, I've got a little bit of bias because it made my little girl just incredibly happy. But Mark, what do you think? I'm going to burst your bubble a little bit. I don't think it's your bias. I think it's a fucking great movie. Yeah, cool. All right. Lovely. It, it's fucking brilliant. It's it's a really... It's it's an incredible amount of fun. Um, the Riz Ahmed is great as a voice casting. He's properly good in this, though, isn't he's he? He's properly good in it. Chris Red is very good. But, yeah, Riz Ahmed, you... He's... He's not just voicing a character. He's genuinely thought about, I need to put this level of emotion into things. I need to do this. I need to do... I need to like this. And it, it, it definitely helps that he's not just essentially... It doesn't feel like he's turned up the script and just gone. Blah 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 blah. Give me money, I'm off. Um, he 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 seems to believe in it a little bit. The the just the funniness of I turned to Becky and went, "Hang on a minute, is that character called Golden Lloyd? Yeah, 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 yeah. She was like, "Yes." The fact that it just openly goes, hey, look, these are knights, and it's this and it's this. Oh, by the way, they're gay, and they're a couple. And you're like, all right, brilliant. But it doesn't make anything of it. It just exists. And that's... It's cool that that is becoming a thing now. And when Locks saw that, like, Don and I were like, yeah, yeah, no, it looks like they're boyfriends. And Locks was like, oh, oh. I mean, I don't have any problem that they're gay. You know, I I, it, I just don't, you know, I don't see that. You know, and, and like, I mean, it, it was kind of like almost like too nailed on, but that's what she said. It's the first time, I, you know, and I don't have a problem with them being gay. Like, I just, that's lovely that I'm hearing my daughter say that, you know, and I always, always knew she wouldn't have a problem, but it's, it, it's the first... First time I ever heard her say gay, and she knew what it meant, you know, and, and like, mm. I mean, she said it herself, so she's obviously learned it from somewhere, and that, that that's wonderful, and just the fact that this film is there, which is going, has kind of, like, imprinted on it. She fucking wrote a poem about it afterwards, you know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, awesome. it, yeah, yeah, man, isn't it, though? And yeah, it, it, it's not, it's not because she thinks it's a great piece of queer coded cinema, you know, like which she she might think in like ten years or something like that. At the moment it's a really fun film. It just so happens that there's a gay couple at the centre of it and that's just gonna be normal for her. 
Isn't yeah. that great? Isn't that yeah. isn't that fucking great? It is, and I think there's a. I say the element of it just being. I have never thought about it until you said that. Actually, in terms of, of for that of the for the majority of of people, it is a. It's still considered to be whether whether there are you know whether they are cool people and know that it's perfectly fine for there to be gay couples around in existence and everything like that or not. Not everybody is exposed to it in the same way, mm. um, and I think that I. I, I, I really said that I was like fuck I, yeah I'd, I'd never thought about that in the sense that um, like my uncle's gay so um, I, 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 I've been exposed to, 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 to you know it's been a part of my life forever and the same with, with Isabel and bits like that so in my brain you always I think you always assume that everybody has the same kind of life path in a, in a, in a similar way to how you do so it's that and it's like he said I was like yeah probably people don't have that element of it if it being like there but the fact that it is there and it, it, it's appeared in a couple of movies that are kids movies recently without it being a a big thing so it was in this and it was in yeah. the strange world um, where it's just it's a norm it's not oh my god um, it's it, it's just there. It's cool, but the visual style of it, it's very very funny. I think helps. Yep. Um, the music number that you get in the middle of it is fucking great. Yeah, yeah. It's just a real lot of fucking fun. Um, it's yeah, it's just a really fun movie that has a really good heart to it and a really good story to it. I like you said, I, I'd I'd happily watch another two or three of these like I said I don't think we're going to get them but it'd be nice if it ended up being really popular on Netflix and Netflix went fuck it we'll go on another at least one of these yeah quite it was like the moment Metric came on the soundtrack that was honestly the moment where I was like right five stars and then it didn't fall off yeah it, it's yeah it's, it's, uh, I, I really enjoyed it really glad I watched it the thing is I like the trailer, but it probably would have been one of those things that I might have watched. I would have spent years going, oh, I'll, I'll watch that at some point. Until you said, fucking great. I was like, all right, we're watching it. I need, like, I need to watch it. I need to watch it before we record because I want I want to watch it now. It's, it's my film of the year so far. I don't expect it to be my film of the year at the end of the year. Um, it's not like a Top Gun Maverick situation. Um, but... It it is one where it's like, hey, if it's in the top ten, I'm pretty cool with that. If I if I see nine more films this year, or ten more films this year, where I'm like, yeah, I I think that was better than the Mona. I th- I think that's going to be a, a a perfectly decent year, perfectly decent yeah. year. I think there is. It, it did make me go as well. The the bit where he he unbeknownst to him kills the queen. It did make me go, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Yeah, I really really enjoyed. And and just the way that it's probably only about an hour in, and all spoilers all the time, you know, the whole, okay, it was actually the director. Yeah. You know, that they get that video. And then it was like, well, what's going to happen now then? Mm. And then it's the whole, like, I thought it was just clever that it, it goes with, like, the director almost, like, gaslighting the people saying... 
that wasn't me, that was her, don't believe what, what you're yeah. seeing on video. You know, you got Elon Musk a few months back trying to get some shit in a trial dismissed, saying, well, that could have been doctored footage. And then the judge going like, yeah, but you could say that for fucking everything. And we've got plenty of people saying they were there and you said that. You know, <laughs> like, it, it's... I, there, there, yeah, there's that, there's that kind of aspect to it. it, it it's... I, I, I liked how it kind of evolved, it, it evolved from there. And then it... Because I was wondering, why is it called Nimona? And then after the first hour or so, it's like, oh, that's why it's called Nimona. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. And again, just that last shot where he says, holy shit, and the look on his face. It's great. It's such a fun... Mo- for a, a film that's aimed at kids... To kind of just have it end with holy shit or shit, you know. It should have just said shit, mm. but hey, great film, great yep. film, great film. Um, audience poll, wow, definitely not shit. Sixty percent, shit. Forty percent. Why? I fundamentally disagree. Yep. Yep, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't get how you could have that by the time with that movie unless you didn't. <coughs> Excuse me, unless you knew you weren't going to like it. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear from people, quite yeah. frankly. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think that'll be that. That'll be that. We got questions and whatnot. We do. Yeah. Um, Ethan M. Barr. Spoiler. I think just in case one of us hadn't seen what is it. Um, uh, okay, spoiler. No, 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 no. Sorry, because we had some feedback which I haven't gone into um, from Twitter a couple of weeks back about being careful about spoiling things when they're not part of main review stuff. So, yes. what is it that could be spoiled here? Uh, I it, it it's it's part of our, it's from our main review. Okay, so if you skipped Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, it, it's a real. It's a real mild spoiler. Okay, this. I just you know someone fed back about but, it, yeah. and, and to that person, thank you, thank you very much. It's been it's been taken on board. It's been taken yeah. on board, and we, we are we, we have all gone. Oh yeah, actually, we're, we're that's trying. a fair point. We're, yeah. we're trying. Yeah, um, we might sort of set like a bit of a a limit of like five years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there probably does come a time. But anyway, sorry, I've been interrupting. Go ahead. Um, what time period in historical character? Would you have rather featured in the end of Indy Five? I think that's probably a pretty big spoiler about like, yeah, okay, you know, yeah. Um, what what historical t- t- uh, time and and person? Um, yeah, I I don't know. Christ, whenever Christ was about to actually see what was up. Um. <laughs> uh... Indiana yeah, Jones and the disproving of Christianity. Um, <laughs> I've watched that. <laughs> God, who who could you have? Caligula, but it's literally, uh, it's literally just Indy's like running away from some people, just opens a room and it's like Caligula. It's Massimo just goes. Yep, nope. <laughs> no, no it, 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 it needs to be that and Harrison Ford just going like, I need to stay. And, and Hel- <laughs> yeah. Hel- Helena close like... Door, just close the door, turns around to people on the bridge and goes, 
I need to stay. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the way. That's the way. I mean, because, you know, just going back to Style of Destiny, so, boy, Style of Destiny. Was his plan literally just to bleed out just watching a battle? I think so, yeah. <laughs> which, 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 you can kind of see the point of being Waller Bridge. I'd say, do you know what? She was right. Yeah. <laughs> she was yeah. right to but, do that. But also, don't like convince him through a speech. Just fucking punch him. Like, <laughs> I, honestly, I that feels that. like they just gave up. Yeah. But I did, I did kind of like it. Um, Rick yeah, Kid. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like they were like, this is really hard. How can we convince him? But it almost feels a little bit like a a, a bit of an Indian tradition of like the him just shooting the guy um, with all of the knives bits. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Rick Kid, after the absolute mess Indie 5 was, which film Good. franchise has the biggest uh, drop or rise, if you prefer, in film quality from its initial film to last. I think it would be hard to beat the Highlander franchise for a drop. That is a very good point. I mean, uh, it's a good example, isn't it? You're looking for something that just went like direct-to-video and just... What was that one that they never finished making? Oh, fucking Divergent. Divergent, yeah, they just didn't bother. Yeah, I mean the bar wasn't particularly high, but just like that the yeah, that's that's what was it that they made a part one but didn't with the didn't bother with the part two or they some shit? They made a part one, uh and then ended up releasing it like on VOD, I think, more yeah. than anything else. Day and date, didn't sake. they? And then just didn't didn't make the next part but still paid Shirley Woodley for it. That's wild. Yep. Uh, um, I mean, Rise, I would say, you've got to include like Fast in that, you know, because you would never have thought when Tokyo Drift came out that a decade later they would be hitting 11 films and the films would be, you know, touching, would have made over a billion some of them and touching a billion for the rest of them. That's a fair shout. Yeah. Universal Soldier had a big drop off. Although there was that one a few years ago that was really good. Day, yeah, Day of Reckoning, the one that Hyams did. That was that Ooh, fucking ruled. I've got one. Mm. The biggest drop. Yeah. Robocop. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, in terms of high, high to low, low. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I, I think you've done it. Robocop. I think you've done it. Yeah. Because Robocop is a masterpiece. The rest of them are just not. <laughs> Yeah, no, good shout. You f- you found the answer. Phil uh, Black Lanterns. I'm currently stuck on the train to Newcastle for some bullshit team building away there and additionally just watched Throw Mammoth from the Train. So my question is, which is the best film set on a train? Throw Mammoth from the Train is a good film. I enjoy that movie. Best film set on a train. Also, Throw Mammoth from the Train is one of those movies that was stuck in the 7.99 loop for a long, long time. In the sense that it wasn't available on any streaming service, and it was always seven ninety nine on iTunes, so nobody was going to watch it. <laughs> uh, my answer is unstoppable. Unstoppable is a fucking great answer. I honestly think that's the right answer. I think it is. 
There you go. We got one answer, right answer each. We're doing well. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I can't think of. I can think of other movies set on trains that are fun, but I can't think of one that beats Unstoppable because Unstoppable is is a, a fucking hidden banger of a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it for our questions. Okay. All right. So we'll be back next time round for ruddy bloody episode five hundred. Yeah. Um, where I think almost the, the 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 topics are a celebration in themselves. But if anyone wants to send in some stuff to uh, filmbusters at gmail dot com, I promise I won't just put them on the end of an episode and not react to them. We'll carve out some time if they do come in. Sorry, Mike. Um, but the topics are even, and considering she's not here today, yeah. So Becky special, isn't it's it? It's a pretty fucking Becky special next week. <laughs> we have got Insidious the Red Door and we've got Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. That is one of the most Becky-ass shows I think we've maybe ever had. Yeah, it is It is a Becky special. And Becky had forgotten that Insidious Red Door was out this weekend. Um, I think she just got caught up in the whole Mission Impossible and because Mission Impossible technically isn't out until next week but it just comes out on Monday she just like she's like wait wait, when's Insidious out like Friday she's like holy fuck we're on Friday (laughs) yeah I mean this this is the thing because you know they've they've moved Mission Impossible forward so that they've basically got more days of IMAX and large format screens I mean it's, it's smart it makes sense it's a part of me that's just like Insidious is the competition this week. Just release it on Friday. But a- anyway, um, Cineworld are doing a secret screening on Saturday. But do you guys still have Unlimited? Yeah, yes, yeah, Unlimited. I did see that on Saturday at seven thirty. It's I going don't... to be Mission Impossible. Do you think? Yeah. I'm tempted to go to it. You know? I, I think you two need to go to it. I think you will see Mission Impossible the two days is, early. I'm tempted to go to it. Because if it's not, it's early enough to go, nah, I'm all right, <laughs> and walk they're, out. They're getting people out on a Saturday night for an unlimited screening. It's mm. going to be something big, mm. and it's going to be Mission Impossible. It's not going to be like Barbie or, or Oppenheimer. No. there's it's... It, it's going to be Mission Impossible. If, if I still had Cineworld Unlimited, I would be going. Yeah, I'm probably going to book the tickets and go. Because let's say, if I get there, it starts and it comes out and it's fucking... It'll be 8 o'clock, you just walk out, you still got the evening. That's it. I can still um, be... I, I will not have been sat and do anything until that time anyway. Yeah. So, but it, it, it's interesting because they do this because then there's basically nothing out the next week. Mm. So it's like, what do we what do we cover the next week? Or, or do we just... I don't know, do we commit to Oppenheimer and Barbie by the Sunday and we record the Sunday of that week? You know, like, obviously discussions to be had, but it has Ooh. rather skewed the recording schedule. Yeah, well, well there's something we can work out, I'm sure. Mm. <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be some fucking... There'll be some Netflix movie about the making of, I don't know, the Reebok pumps or something like that that we don't know about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's probably, you're probably not a million miles off. Come pump it up. <laughs> if, I don't know, if they want to put the Boogeyman on Disney Plus like in the next couple of weeks, 
That would be that good. That must be on its way. Yeah, because it feels like it should be on its way by now. It feels so, like I should have watched that by now. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we should have watched it by now. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of naughty us for not going to the cinema to see it, but... I, I did buy a ticket. <laughs> so did I, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, that thanks- one movie's out. <laughs> Is that a film? The one thing, it's a documentary, isn't it? We can't, we can't have episode five hundred and one be wham. <laughs> no, we can't. Oh fucking hell! I'm trying to look to find it when the fucking boogeyman comes out. VRD. It's got to be soon. I mean, shit, Master Gardener is on VOD now. It is, yeah. We we could always just main review. We'll we'll figure out something. It's going to be fine. We'll, we'll, it's going we'll to be work fine. something out. It's going to be fine. Right. Okay. So, uh, Mark, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, listeners. Thank you very much for your time. You can't respond. And as always, go and fuck yourself, old JC boy. Yes, you prick. (laughs) What a cunt. (laughs) Bye. Bye.